The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Fourteen twenty in the morning, 14 minutes and 20 seconds, where the sports talk to get you through your daily commute. Hot takes, recaps, best bets, and a little humor to get your day going in the right direction. Sit back, grab your coffee, and let's get into it. All right, 1420 in the morning for the sixth day of November 2023. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by SeatGeek.com, the SeatGeek app. Use promo code 1420POD at SeatGeek.com today and save yourself 20 bucks on your first purchase over there at SeatGeek. Remember, we are part of the Belly Up Media Network. Go to BellyUpSports.com for all their great articles and other podcasts over there at BellyUpSports.com. And thank you once again from all of us here at 1420 World Headquarters for making us a part of your day each and every day, whether it be in podcast form, YouTube, or however you uh, you, know, you get the content from uh, my app or Dave's app or or even Jake's app now and everything else we got going on there. It's uh, thank you very much from all of us here at 1420 World Headquarters, like I said. Well, well, everybody's at the 10-game uh, point, the National Hockey League season now, 10 games or more, everyone's playing. And, and as always, you get to that point uh, a couple weeks before American Thanksgiving where you, you pretty much are who your record says you are. Yeah, we talked about it last week. You could go on an unprecedented Laura Brand again Gloria run like the 2019 St. Louis Blues went but um, usually what you see is what you get at this point in the season and what you see what you get from a lot of the Canadian teams isn't going to be nearly enough to get themselves into a playoff race or anything else the only team that uh, is doing to playing a little surprisingly, a little surprisingly, but not uh, out of their mind, surprisingly, is the Vancouver Canucks. I got Jeff Patterson on the show. I think it's Wednesday he's coming on. We're going to record Tuesday, be on Wednesday, but that's a whole other story for another day to talk about the, that Canucks team who has a big game tonight against the, the uh, uh, it's a big game for the Edmonton Oilers. No getting around that. We'll get them in half a second, but every team in the, uh, around the National Hockey League is in trouble. Uh, uh, in Canada, kind of has their own problems going on right now. Montreal's playing pretty well. Winnipeg's playing pretty well. Uh, Calgary got a win on, on Saturday night against Seattle. Uh, 6-3, I think it was. But we'll start with the uh, lowly Edmonton Oilers. And I can say lowly, uh, they're 2-7-1. and one. I thought they, they were going to make a change. Uh, not a change, but they were going to make a change for the better. Uh, things were going to start flowing in the right direction with that win, the Heritage Classic that they got over the Calgary Flames uh, a week ago yesterday. But things have not gone well for the Oilers once again this weekend. They lost on Saturday afternoon at home at Rogers Arena. Uh, Rogers Center, Rogers Place, whatever which one it's called. I can't remember. There's so many Rogers buildings here in, in the great uh, country of Canada. I can't keep track of them. Probably should. It's kind of my job, but one of those things. The, uh, the Oilers lost once again 5-2 to the Nashville Predators in a game where they once again started Jack Campbell and that why they keep going back to Campbell I guess you got to see what you got and see what you can possibly do and see maybe increase, increase some trade value increase some trade uh, some trade equity I guess is the, the proper terminology but Campbell he just don't got it once again uh, stopping 28 of uh, or 29 to 34 shots for a 8.53 save percentage those are Redlinski type numbers that get you uh, on a podcast and out of the net pretty quick but it's one of those situations where no matter what uh say it all the time i just heard it jeff merrick so it's not even a brent or maybe jeff merrick stole from me but jeff merrick on on his show just said basically if you don't have any you show me a good goalie i'll show you a good coach and the first thing that came up on the old twitter machine on on saturday after that loss to it to nashville was they got to get rid of uh, coach jay woodcroft and uh, you got uh, ken holland's got to find a way to get a new coach in there and everything else well uh, i i hate to break it to you guys a new coach isn't going to fix that goaltending problem a new coach isn't going to fix the problem that, that's 
throughout that team uh, defensively and everything else. Uh, goaltending is so important. If you don't get a save, and, and that and that's the thing, it's not it's not so much not getting saved. It's not getting saves the opportune times. They don't get a big save when needed. They don't get a big save, and it's it's, it's, that, it's that a Stuart Skinner too there in in Edmonton. So it's not just a Camel problem. He's obviously the bigger problem. But they're not getting big saves at the, at the proper time. This team is flawed beyond belief. This they can't go out and get another coach every time something something doesn't go well for for the Edmonton Oilers team. The team's uh, p- built pretty uh, with a lot of flaws. Uh, Darnell Nurse that contract hurts a lot at nine million plus a year. Uh, so you're you're in your salary cap hell. Uh, McDavid's at his twelve million bucks, and like, thank God they have. Uh, I mean, God ain't watching, so I just don't know why we're thanking God. But uh, thank goodness, I guess that they have Drysaddle on a, a very team friendly contract for another another season. But you have a situation where McDavid. Is already on his third coach, uh, Dave Tippett. Who they have, Dave Tippett. Uh, oh, I can't remember now for whatever reason. It doesn't much matter who they've had over the years. But uh, Todd McClellan—that's that's the other one. McClellan, Tippett, and and now Woodcroft. So maybe it's not all on the coaching staff, and maybe it's not all on, on just uh, the team construction. Maybe they've got, they've got a little bit of of uh, to push back on McDavid. Yeah, you're making twelve million bucks. Yeah, you're underpaid, and you're doing what you can. But there's always seems to be a little bit more you can give. And it seems to me that I'm not blaming the, the guy because he's obviously the greatest player to ever play the game, but the or the best player to play the game. Sorry, like, but the thing is, you, he's not. Uh, he doesn't quite have it this year. Whether there's an injury situation going on with him, he just doesn't seem 100 right. He hasn't been producing points. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a two two uh, a two trick pony t- uh, team with with McDavid and with Drysaddle, but he's not producing numbers that you can. You know they can't they can't be um, scoring six or seven goals every night and outscore their goaltending goals. I understand that 100, but there's different situation, different uh, defensive things that it seems McDavid's kind of missing this year a little bit. And yet they built their team around him. And yes, you can build your team around him. But he just does, does not seem to have uh, whatever it takes to, to that's, uh, I don't, you can't put your finger on it when you come to a guy with that kind of a skill level. And his post game press conference uh, the other night with death by a thousand cuts uh, kind, of, kind of said everything. He's pretty frustrated. And look on his face when he was sitting on the bench after another loss at home. Uh, it was a very, very telling tale of how McDavid feels while playing in, in Edmonton right now. And you wonder how long that's going to last. Uh, it's a conspiracy theory 100%. But they got to get some goaltending. They got to get it, get it fast, or else that team is in big trouble. They have a uh, pretty big three-game road trip coming up. Two games that they really should win. I don't expect that they'll win tonight, but you never know. You never know what might happen because that Vancouver team is really good. Uh, it can be interesting to see what uh, Jeff Patterson has to say about them. But this Vancouver team is really good, playing really good hockey, and they're flying a little bit. And uh, it's a big three-game road trip for the the Edmonton Oilers, where they got to they got to win two out of three, and they got. They got Vancouver, then they got Seattle, then they have uh, the San Jose Sharks, who are absolutely pathetic. We'll talk about them in half a second. But that San Jose team is bad. And if they go into, the, into San Jose and uh, somehow lose to San Jose Sharks, you got to think there's going to be wholesale cha- changes right on through. Uh, you can't think that uh, owner Dale Cates, Cates would uh, put up with something like that. So the, the more the, that San Jose loses, the harder it is for the other teams that uh, are going to be facing the, the San Jose Sharks in the in the upcoming games they have. Because eventually San Jose's got to win at least one game. It's not they're not going to go own 82 throughout the season although they look like it but it's one of those things that this this three-game road trip right now she's make or break for the Oilers season yeah you hate to to say it's over before it started because it's uh you're you're basically going to be one-fifth of the way into the season uh in a couple of days and then it's it or one six sorry so the math works and then it, it could be over right now if they don't get two out of three on this trip uh three out of three would be perfect obviously two out of three is if they don't get at least that uh you got there's gonna be wholesale changes and if one of those losses comes in 
San Jose on Thursday night, there's going to be hell to pay in oil country and it won't be pretty. And you're going to see a, a lot of change. I don't think it's just going to stop at the, uh, I don't think it's just going to stop at the coach. I think it'll go right to the GM. It'll go right on through and it, they'd be a uh, best bet for wholesale changes. Go right on through, go get rid of the goalie coach. Cause there must be a problem there too. And uh, let's, let's not, let's not uh, say the goalie coach is, uh, is, is the biggest end all and beat all. Like Campbell just doesn't got it between the years. He's just not good enough. He had a, a career year in, uh, in, in Toronto. He fooled me with that big year. He had there a couple of years back, got the contract and now he's set for life with making the four and a half million bucks a year. Uh, you can't blame a goalie all the time, but you know what? They, uh, you can blame the goalie most of the time. And this one was still in the situation that you, you can blame a goalie for that. Uh, in Ottawa on Saturday night after Ottawa's loss to the uh, Tampa, Bay, Tampa Bay Lightning, still a really good hockey team. Let's not sugarcoat it. The Ottawa fans booed the uh, the Senators as they're leaving the ice. 6-4 loss. Ottawa's got a good hockey team, not a great hockey team. They have a little scandal going on there uh, with the betting situation they had with the player. And then they uh, lost a draft pick earlier on. We'll talk about that in half a second too, but they got booed off the ice and Brady Kachuk, team captain Brady Kachuk, uh, went on the airwaves when he was asked about it. He said it was frustrating to hear the boos and he basically said it was bullshit that it was happening. Uh, took me till 10, 17 in the morning on, on Monday morning here just to swear for you guys. But it's one of those things where uh, maybe Kachuk should probably shut his yap. Uh, I, 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 I agree that booing is pretty childish at a hockey game or a baseball game or any sporting event when it comes down to it, especially by uh, grown adults. If a kid wants to boo and whatever, that's what kids do, right? But uh, when you have a situation where a uh, team's getting booed off the ice, you must be playing bad. No team, want, no fan is, wants to pay their 200 bucks a seat and see their team play bad. And then bad enough for for, uh, for grown uh, men and women to boo. That must have been pretty bad. I didn't want. I'm not going to pretend I watched that game on on uh, on Saturday night. To the Ottawa Senators are not must see TV for me. I was too busy uh, crying in my beer over the USC Trojans' uh, pitiful performance on on defense tonight and losing another game to Washington. But it's. Uh, Kachuk, I think my, my advice to you, I know you'll never listen to this, but maybe you will. Maybe someone will play this. My advice to you is if you don't want to get booed, play better. If you don't want your team to get booed, uh, urge your team and be, be a leader for that team to play better. Uh, people don't go to arena. They don't pay their 200 bucks to boo. They want to go and have a good time. They, they want to see their team win. Nobody actually pays money to watch their team lose. So my advice to you, Brady Kachuk, is shut your yap, shut your yap, and have your team play better. And then that way, they won't you, you won't have a chance to get booed. I am going to lay in the line of the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Lightning haven't been booed since they've been going on that glorious run since they've been on in 2020. Uh, they, they've had some games where they didn't go so well. They lost out of the playoffs, everything else. But teams who play well don't get booed. It's really quite that simple. And I don't even think you have to play well. P- people have a pretty uh, uh, a high knowledge of hockey. Like hockey fans who go to games on a consistent basis, whether it be in Canada or the United States, they get it. They they uh, they, they, they they know what a good effort is, right? They know what a solid effort is. Yes, they, they might have uh, loftier expectations then then there are reachable or attainable but if you play well and you work hard you won't get booed it, it's actually that it's that simple so Kachuk you got to shut your yap and maybe uh maybe have a a heart to heart with your team instead of going on on front of the media and getting the clickbait and now we're talking about it right one of those things a uh, team that probably should get booed I don't know if they are getting booed but they uh they got a chance of uh messing with a long time standing record I'm talking about the San Jose Sharks uh they're on pace to not win any games right now because they don't have a win yet they've been blown out uh, they've given up 10 goals in two straight games uh, one was to Sydney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins I think it was on Saturday night and then on Thursday it was to the Vancouver Canucks and that and that powerhouse team that's rolling right now uh, the worst record in NHL history for all time is 1974, 75, 
Washington Capitals, who finished with a record of 867 and 5, uh, good for 21 points. And right now, the uh, San Jose Sharks don't look like they're going to get there. I mean, it's, that's going to be a tough thing to have. That's going to be a tough thing to uh, to get to and to attain. But uh, you got to think that that team, like you, you can rebuild a little bit, but that's got to be something that they'd even GM Mike Greer didn't see coming. Yeah, they had a bad season last year, I think 60 points, whatever it was, 61 points last season, but it didn't turn out very well for the, for the, uh, for the San Jose Sharks this year. And how many years is an actual rebuild? And you got to be thinking like everything that said that you tried to do and everything you're trying to accomplish uh, is, is kind of going the wayside. This is pretty much, I, I compare them a little bit for like how many years did they have uh, Joe Thornton and how many years did they have Patrick Marlowe and they made the playoffs and didn't do any damage. They got the finals once in all those years, but this is what the Canucks ran into a, a number of years ago by just making the playoffs and just being good enough to get in, get a couple of home dates, put some money in the owner's pockets and then that's it. And San Jose finds himself by when you're mediocre, you're mediocre, and eventually mediocre falls out, and you end up being bad. And that's what San Jose has right now. Um, can they make trades and improve? Like you don't, what you probably don't want to. You probably want to just stay the course with the guys that you got. Because what happens if you if you uh, send some guys down the minors and bring some guys down from the minors up, and they put in a little little extra effort, and you start winning hockey games, then you find yourself out of that uh, number one draft pick. I know it's a lottery system, but there, there's a way you can you can pad your uh, your way to getting the, the first overall pick. Um, so you're pretty much stuck with the team you got. You don't want to bring guys up who, who are going to put the effort in. They're going to want to get long-term uh, NHL contracts. They're going to be long-term because the paychecks are a lot different in the AHL than they are in the NHL. And uh, so you want to have a, a, bunch, a group of guys who are – uh, I don't want to say defeated on the inside uh, like the like you would be losing night in night out, but you also don't want a team to uh, overexert themselves and over um, uh, overextend themselves and overvalue themselves because all of a sudden you you might win a game here and win a game there and find yourselves in a situation where you don't have that number one pick or a clearer route to number one pick. So San Jose they could set some all time records this year and the place is still pretty full from what I understand. Actually, they, they had a hundred percent sell. There's I get this thing every every few days about what the uh, the attendances at NHL game, NHL arenas, the attendance at San Jose is still fantastic. So it's always been a great place to go watch hockey games. It's always been a great atmosphere there in San Jose. You just wonder how long that's going to last. Um, two more things we have before we get on to uh, the uh, birthdays and all that stuff. We're here at 1420 in the morning, sponsored by SeatGeek.com. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks got, uh, once again, everybody knows about the situation that came up two years ago with the uh, the assistant coach or video coach, whatever it was. I won't say his name because like, we shouldn't give those guys uh, the light of day anymore and talk about their, this stuff. But once again, over the weekend, there were some allegations that came out of another player, another black ace that played for that those uh, that 2010 uh, Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks team where there was a situation where the sexual abuse and assault and everything else was going on and uh, basically holding this guy and blackmailing this thing that came out over the weekend. And the, if you look back a couple of years ago and the, the, the fine that came out, a couple of people lost their jobs in the organization. Uh, Joel Quinville, who was the coach in uh, Florida when, when these, uh, when everything came out and about, and he was, he was basically forced to resign of his job. And he still hasn't been reinstated by the National Hockey League. He's been uh, up for debate about the new Oilers coach, but he's not even reinstated by the NHL yet. Uh, there was a situation that came up over the weekend again, that it was brought up. And every time Rick Westhead, you see him on Twitter, like, Oh no, now what, now what, now what? And it's once again, it came up. Uh, the, Ottawa or the, the Chicago Blackhawks, they got away with one last time by only getting fined a million bucks. There was obviously a lack of organizational control back then. Yes, it's one person, and yes, but it was swept under the rug and nothing was done about it. And if, if uh, Rick West had didn't come out, uh, get get this, this story a couple of years ago, it would never never been brought up, and the guy would have basically been uh, still coaching, wouldn't be in jail, or whatever it is. 
And it's a bad situation. It's a bad look for the NHL, for the NHL right now because they only got that million dollar fine, and that that was it. And what's a million bucks to that franchise when they're they're setting attendance records for how many years and the TV contracts, everything else? And it's nothing for these owners to like. Yes, you never want to lose a million bucks, but it's not for these owners to uh, to get to sign over a million bucks. They didn't lose any draft picks and everything else that happened there. Uh, you, you look at uh, who the the Blackhawks got now with Connor Bedard and not they, they probably shouldn't that uh, you looking back now they probably shouldn't have been even eligible to draft Bedard they probably should have lost the first overall draft pick you look at the situation that happened with the Ottawa Senators last week where uh there was a, a draft a first overall draft pick was taken away the new owner came, came out and talked about it like why am I losing a draft pick when it was something that the GM did there was something that NHL central central uh central scouting or central services should have taken care of uh, there was a, a a guy got traded when he shouldn't have got traded because there was a no trade clause and on and on it went and there's a story if you want to go find some Hawkins I'll put it up in the show's notes but you look at something that uh, if you compare it not to as bad as the Penn State situation but there's something that uh, there's no organizational control and nothing really happened to the team on the ice that uh, like with the Bedard, uh, Bedard situation that uh, it's improved that team already a little bit but Bedard shouldn't have been in, in Chicago in, in my eyes because the team the Chicago Blackhawks did not lose anything to hurt their hockey team with their situation that happened uh, and that, that's where you really got to hurt hurt the team because what's an owner care like i said uh you got to hurt the team itself you got to hurt the gm itself you have to hurt the coaching staff itself the team on a whole has to be hurt in my opinion yes the, the new players who came in had nothing to do with happening in 2010 and then players playing now weren't even they were 10 years old back then right so uh they shouldn't be these these players shouldn't be punished but the organization needs to be punished and finding a team of a million dollars isn't nearly enough punishment in my opinion and now this team is still set to flourish with bedard at the helm right so it's it's one of those things that it's it's it, you hate talking about it, you hate talking about these things but real life enters the world of sports far too often obviously that's as we know but it's just one of those things where you have to hurt these teams when they don't control their, their organization or they try to cover things up. There's cover-ups all around the world. There's one happening on TV right now. I'm mesmerized by it. But it's, uh, there's there's all kinds of things that go on that to maybe you really got to sting the guys where it's going to hurt. And if the team is really bad, then no one's going to go. And if they don't get that fruit, because how many jerseys has, has uh, Chicago sold with Bedard that they probably wouldn't be selling if they, they weren't allowed to get to get him in that pick? And they should have lost some draft picks. Now it's coming out again. And how much more is going to come out in Chicago Blackhawks? A couple of years ago, me and Dave, pretty much two years ago to the day, me and Dave had this conversation one of the best shows we've ever done uh hard-hitting journalism for the 1420 guys and you, you think that uh, it got it was bad then it's going to get worse now because now there's something else going to come out and how many more of these are going to come out in the, in the coming uh months and years ahead everything else it's crazy uh last one before we get out of here the uh, toronto maple leafs are basically showing who they are once again uh last week there was a situation where uh ultra rap for the boston bruins uh Brad Marchand took Timothy Lilligren into the boards. Uh, some say it was dirty. Some say it wasn't. I don't think it was overly dirty. Uh, it wasn't clean, but I don't think it was dirty. But uh, uh, Biz Nasty, he Bizanet took a he took a run out of uh, at the situation on there on Hawking Canada on Saturday night, talking about it, and he broke it down really, really well. That it was kind of just a tangle. Guys went in the, into the uh, into the boards, but the biggest thing that the Leafs have, they showed how little uh, sandpaper that that core actually has. They this uh, off season, Brad Treliving, the GM, went out and got. Uh, Domi, Reeves, and uh, Bertuzzi 
who had no they had no kickback whatsoever. And those guys are just new, newer members of the team. So ten games in, you don't know if they have uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf tattooed on their on their chest yet. But there's the, it's the rest of the core that did absolutely nothing. Didn't say a word to to Marshawn even when Marshawn went to the bench. And that just goes to show what kind of team that the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs have. Uh, yeah, their skill beyond belief. This team isn't going to win anything with that kind of a uh, uh, non pushback to not even uh, question Marshawn and what he did. Yet the uh, the coach uh, Sheldon Keith came out and said that he was uh, he was not happy with the, the the lack of a pushback or the lack of a, a situation, uh, the, anything that was being said. Uh, but th- there should have been something being said. There should have been something from from team captain John Tavares. There should have been a, a maybe. I'm not suggesting that Austin Matthews goes and punches anybody in the head. I'm not suggesting that uh, that William Nylander goes and pushes uh, Marshawn around because you, and you're not going to have Ryan Reeves. And Reeves should shut his yap too. Talking about it two days later and not doing anything that night. Yeah, you're not getting a lot of ice time. It's not probably a good thing. It seems like every time you get on the ice, the other team scores, which happened again on Saturday night and that loss to, to Buffalo. But you have a, a situation there where uh, the Leafs don't have a, a cohesive unit at all. They aren't a, they aren't a, te- a, a team built team first. They're a very me, me squad. And I think you're going to see the Leafs once again uh, not do any damage in the playoffs once again because they don't have that that grit and that sandpaper. They showed it on, on Saturday night when there was a situation with Tampa Bay and how those older guys are still jumping on people's backs and uh, giving us a tap on the lace to a guy who screws around. They're uh, they're a very gritty team there in, in Tampa and they stuck together. They won a couple of Stanley Cups. You look at that that Las Vegas team who won last year. They don't mind punching people in the face when things aren't going their way. And the Toronto Maple Leafs don't have that. And they showed their, their true colors once again last Thursday in that loss to their arch rival, the Boston Bruins. Uh, interesting. It's going to be a great, great week coming ahead here in the National Hockey League. Uh, got some guests coming up. Got to uh, do an interview today, uh, later on today with um, – with Ryan from the uh, the Seattle Kraken podcast out there in Seattle, so that should be a good one. Uh, going to talk uh, Kraken hockey, see what they they think about going on if they uh, they got past the. Uh they're, they're no longer the expansion team anymore. They, they got to start the, if the fan base is getting a little bit sick of it and what's going on with Maddie Beneers and the rest of the team out there in Seattle. So that'll be up for tomorrow. And then, like I said, Jeff Patterson of uh, Vancouver Sports Radio, he'll be up with us on uh, Tuesday. He'll be up on Wednesday. So that's something to look forward to. So that's what we got going on here. And then tonight, me and Dave are doing our usual NFL uh, re- review of the uh, of the of the uh, week nine, I guess we're into the National Football League season. Anyways, here's a word from our friends over at SeatGeek. The foul baller. If there's a ball that's gone foul, he's gone to get it. Under his watchful gaze, all bevs, binoculars, and ballpark brats are safe. He's the only thing that stands between his section and certain destruction. That's why he only trusts SeatGeek with his tickets. The ticketing app trusted by fans. SeatGeek, so fans can fan. All right, let's get to uh, on this day's birthdays and get everybody out of here for another day here at 1420 in the morning. Uh, What do we got here? On this day in 1993, Evander, the real deal, Holyfield beat Riddick Bowl in 12 rounds of what may be the most bizarre moments in boxing history when in the seventh round, the crowd got off their feet and people began to run for cover. Holyfield took his eyes off Bowl for a second and then told Bowl to look up. And what they saw next was a man in a parachute coming towards the ring. The lines of this guy's parachute or paraglider got caught in the ring lights. And afterward, after he landed on the top rope with his parachute still tangled in the lights, he was... uh, 
promptly pulled down from the ropes and beaten unconscious by security. And each uh, each boxer's honorage was absolutely bizarre. The fight resumed 20 minutes later with both boxers obviously rattled by the interruption. The two warriors slugged it out to the to the, the final bell when Holy with Holyfield coming to a, a winning in a majority decision to regain the heavyweight championship of the world on this day in 1993. One of the most bizarre things you'll ever see in the world of sports. And uh, that's when boxing was at its, uh, I want to say, at its height. But the heavyweight division was so, so great. And you remember watching those fights with Holyfield. I was a big Holyfield fan back then. And just watching that whole thing unfold on, on Sports Center the next day. Like, what the hell happened here? And this guy, like, yeah, it would never happen today with uh, the security and everything that goes on at, at these events. But to think that a guy came out of the uh, out of nowhere and just crashed the, crashed the party in the in the seventh round of a boxing event. To even have that come into your mind, it's something to uh, something to behold. It's one of those things you'll never, uh, you know, like when you see it, you kind of laugh about it now. But it must have been pretty scary. And I think that uh, Bo's wife was pregnant at the time and she fainted when it was all, because she was right near ringside when, when it was all going down and she fainted and she got, she's fine. The baby was good and everything else. But yeah, just craziness to, 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 think, to think that that would, that would happen in our lifetime. I'm like, yeah, geez, yeah, you can't even go into a, you can't even go into a building without getting searched. You know, the, we're just flying in. Crazy to think that, that, uh, that happened. And uh, anyways, Happy birthday to Pat Tillman, born on this day in 1976 in Fremont, California. Tillman played college football at Arizona State and was named Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year in 1990, as well as the Arizona State's team MVP. Tillman was drafted in the seventh round, 226 overall, by the Arizona Cardinals in the 1998 NFL Draft. Tillman played four seasons for the Cardinals, compiling 340 tackles, two and a half sacks, three interceptions, Three forced fumbles, 15 pass deflections, and three fumble recovers in 60 games. In May of 2002, Tillman turned down a, a, a contract offer for 3.6 over three years and enlisted in the U.S. Army. Tillman was first deployed to Iraq as part of Operation Iraqi Freedom in September of 2003, and then to Afghanistan in 2004, and was killed in a uh, friendly fire situation gone wrong on April 22, 2004. Pat Tillman was born on this day in 1976. Uh, it was a crazy story different story a guy that was selfless uh went to the, could have made a bunch of money couldn't have been in the nfl for a long time but went and served his country after the 9-11 situation in 2001 um was very it's one of those stories that was exploited a lot by the nfl and everything else don't, don't get into that too uh to look at the negative thing on a guy's birthday, and especially a, a soldier uh, who passed away in the uh, the line of duty. I wouldn't say the line of fire, but in the line of duty. It was a crazy situation back there. So Pat Tillman, born on this day in 1976. Uh, that's it for the show for today. Like I said, me and Dave are back at it tonight to do our NFL talk. And then I uh, got some interviews coming up for this week. Thanks once again to uh, intern Jake for lining these up for us. A lot of work he's put behind the scenes. He's trying to find us a, uh, an athlete to talk to about the Oilers situation maybe and or the Flame situation on uh, – on uh, Thursday night with Dave, so we'll get to going that. But we've got lots of shows coming up for you guys on a daily basis here, as always, here at 1420 World Headquarters. Make sure you go to SeatGeek, get your tickets. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel very uh, as well. And talk with people at the show and get it out there and get keep it going to the mass and help the, the show keep growing to heights we never thought that it would get to. We appreciate everything we, you guys have been doing for us. Listen to other podcasts as well. Again, as soon as I'm done here, I listen to uh, Steel and Teal with uh, Garrett and Jim from Fan of the Van and everything else. Make sure you listen to those guys uh, talking some football. And, uh, yeah. Sports is uh, it's flying right now, and the MLB season's done. But there's uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff. And does anybody care about the Gold Glove anymore? If you even win a Gold Glove, do you even care? Do you put it up on the mantle? I don't know. It's just weird. They they rewarded yesterday. I, I saw Volpe won one, but other than that, I didn't care. Anyways, that's it for today's show. We'll talk to you guys uh, later on tonight, and then back tomorrow with fourteen twenty in the morning. Remember. 
It doesn't matter where you are. It's who you're with. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. You just listened to the 1420 Sports Bar Podcast. Four beer of the sports talk and a whole lot more. We are part of the Belly Up Media Network. Let's get into it.